Hello folks, welcome back. I'm your host Simon Ward and this is the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast where I can promise that you'll always hear a Yorkshire accent and we will never have any adverts. We chat with our guests about peak performance, fitness, health, nutrition, recovery, longevity, relationships and happiness because it doesn't matter whether you want to finish your first sprint triathlon, set a personal best at your next race or just keep turning up until you're in your 70s. Each of these elements huge significance. These are all principles that underpin our SWAT community. We have almost 150 like-minded members and if you're interested in joining you'll be able to access winter training and summer racing plans for all races with a variety of weekly training volumes and catering for all levels of experience. I'm always inspired by our older finishers when I'm commentating outlaw events. Not only are they defying the aging process but they do so with such spirit and enthusiasm from their everyday can-do attitudes to the energy which they come to collect their awards after the event it's something to which we can all aspire which is why it always gives me great pleasure to chat with them today it's linda ashmore who is a guest on the podcast one of the oldest ever female ironman finishers and the oldest female ever to swim the channel just a few days ago, Linda will have competed at the World Triathlon Series Final in Abu Dhabi, having qualified to race all four World Championship distances in 2022 at the ripe young age of 76. I'm breathless just thinking about all this, so let's get chatting with Linda and find out how she keeps going. Well, welcome to the show, Linda Ashmore. Hi there, Simon. Good to see you. Yes, and you. How are you doing? You're, you're in a bit of a quiet period before more business, I believe. Um, yeah, very quiet period. Well, I came back from Hawaii and Utah three weeks ago, had a cataract operation, and then I'm off to Abu Dhabi on Tuesday. Wow. I mean, I'm always, I'm always in awe of any athlete that backs up uh, the Ironman World Championships with something else. So um, you did the Ironman World Championships. And then the 70.3 in Utah, and then which was only what three weeks later? Yeah. And and now you're going off to do the standard distance world championships in Abu Dhabi. So it feels like you're sort of well, going going down the distances towards the end of the year. It's crazy because when I planned it all, it was pre-COVID, because I decided I wanted to do all four distances in a year. And the dates all fitted beautifully because I think there were two in uh, was it the Bahamas or Bermuda? I can't remember. There was um, the Ironman would have been uh, Kona, and then the seventy point three would have been in December in so New Zealand, which I've always wanted right. to go to. Yeah, but it all went pear shaped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like much did with COVID, didn't it? And, <laughs> but, but that's you know, triathletes are nothing but if they're not adaptable. Well, that's right. So I thought, oh, I'm still going to try and do them all. It was silly, silly timing, but I thought, oh, what the hell? I'll... At my age, I don't want to put off for another year what I could do this year so well uh, maybe we should get that element out of the room first because if anyone sees this video Linda they'd be wanting to see your birth certificate and I definitely don't <laughs> think they'll believe them when so I, I, I know it's not polite generally to ask um, a, um, a lady's age but I actually think that sometimes when you know somebody's age it, it makes the story even more inspiring so if you'd care to share that with us I'd be I'd be very uh, grateful 76 so you're 76. Yeah, you definitely don't look that. I'd say you, you, that might be a chronological age, but... It, oh, you can't like see you... all the wrinkles. <laughs> well, you can't see all mine either. 
So, um, but you weren't always a triathlete, were you? Because I understand that before, in the pre-triathlon days, you were um, you were very. Comf- I know you're a, a great swimmer and you love swimming and you've got some remarkable swimming achievements. And we'll get onto that. But you're obviously very comfortable in the water because you had this thing about scuba diving. Oh, I from a kid, my, my I used to drive my mum mad because if there was any water, I'd always fall in accidentally. I mean, I just loved the water. Um, it was just my passion. Um, and I was really fascinated by the channel swimmers in those days because it was big news that every time anyone swam the channel, that was in the 50s. I can remember pretending to be a channel swimmer when I could borrow my um, brother's mask, you know, groin to groin. Um, but, you know, these things just weren't on in those days. So mm-hmm. um, it was always my ambition. And it wasn't until I was in my late 50s and uh, our local master swimming club, they were talking about a relay. They said, oh, would you like to join a relay? And I said, sort of sheepishly, well, actually, I'd like to do a solo. And I thought they'd laugh at me. Um, But no, they were just so encouraging. It was great. And that was it. Did did you do the relay at all? Did you ever do that? No, no, no. No, I always said I'd never do a relay, but I've just done one. The oldest uh, relay. We we were all over 70. (laughs) Really? We did did a relay, uh, myself and five friends, uh, in 2018. Which was quite good fun. I never, I never really had any interest in swimming the channel. Fun. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was good fun. But I like the logistics and all of the planning and that sort of stuff more, more so. Oh, right. I mean, I love, I love, I love swimming. I love swimming, but uh, swimming in the channel never really appealed to me. But actually, yeah. we had, uh, I think we, we, we've still got one of the fastest relay teams. I don't think anybody's beaten oh, really? that time, time since. Yeah, we did eight fifty-five. Um, wow, that's yeah, that's uh, good. And we had a great captain. And if you look at the line. That goes from where you get into where you can. Oh, it's a straight out. one, is it? We had a straight one, yeah. It's, um, pretty, that's quite unusual, I think. I tell you what, you should see ours for the oldest one because uh, we had a bit of shenanigans and um, things, and we went up uh, right. We got into the shallow waters. We went so far north; it was crazy. Well, let's uh, let's rewind then. So, tell me about scuba diving because I quite like scuba diving, but you took it a bit further than I did. You were a um, were you a, a dive master and an instructor? As yeah. Well? Yeah, I did. Um, I was working in London. I I used to watch Hans and Lottie Haas. I actually had the pleasure of meeting them at um, one stage, which was fantastic. But they scared me silly because they always had, you know, me mask ripped off and the sharks came and what have you. And I booked a holiday to Club Med mm-hmm. and I thought it was um, skiing, water skiing. But when I got there, I found I'd chosen the wrong one and it was scuba diving. So I thought, oh, well, I'll have a go. But once I put my head underwater, that was it. Mm-hmm. I was hooked. Hook, line, mm-hmm. sinker. So I came back, trained, eventually became an instructor and then taught diving for, oh, 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was a sexist world in those days because I applied to, I don't know, at least a dozen places abroad, but no one wanted women. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that was confined to scuba diving, though, was it really? Oh, no. I mean, when, was... are you, when are you talking, back in the 60s or 70s? Yeah, late 60s, early yeah. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you were a female and you had a particular skill at anything, I think it was still really hard to get. You'd, yeah, you'd get hard, passed over by. Yeah, you get passed over by less skillful males, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, but I, I was really lucky. I ended up at a place called Fort Bobisan, which was the um, the centre of diving in those days. I mean, it was an international centre. We did um, North Sea diving training as well, but it was amazing, amazing is the, time. Is that the place that they used to use for that TV program? We did loads of TV programs down there, actually. Um, oh, crumbs. There were a number on the 
diving. There's um, Tony Soper did some. We did some on archaeology. There was a woman I taught to dive there and all sorts, yeah. Mm. Okay. So, and that wasn't your only non-triathlon passion, was it? Because I read with great interest that you had this thing for uh, motorcycles. Yeah, well, my husband had a motorcycle and I had an old Honda 50 um, back then. And um, I went on to a 250. I used to ride my husband's 600 and then we gave it up with the kids came along. And then we Nick took it up again. Um, and I thought I'd get a bike. That's right. We were going on holiday. We thought we'd go on holiday to um, the Himalayas. And Nick said I, he didn't want to carry me on the back. Um, and he certainly wasn't going to sit behind me. So I got my own bike. And again, that was it. Once I got my own bike, um, I was hooked on that. So, uh, yeah, that was after the, all the kids had left home. Um, and I became the uh, advanced instructor mm -hmm. organisation. I got involved with that and mm -hmm. worked my way up to a national observer. Yeah. Um, so, and in your career, you were a teacher, right? A maths teacher? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. After teaching diving, I was at home. I was a home, home and mum, mum at home for about 10 years. And then I went into teaching. Right. So is there something about is there something about helping people learn that you like? Oh, I've, I've been involved with teaching all the way through, I think. Um, I've just always enjoyed I When I see someone doing something that I think I can help them, I'll always sort of just automatically see if they need yeah. any help. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been my nature, I suppose. Mm. Okay, so um, but everything we've talked about, and we've gone past the, the children era, and we still haven't talked about endurance sports. So at what point did endurance sports make an appearance into your life? Well, it would have been when I was at school, because um, Bannister had done the 10-minute mile. No, 10 minutes. <laughs> I wish <laughs> four minute mile and my friend and I we wanted to see you know if we could run a four minute mile but at school and there was cross country as well but and I can remember someone in our boys team couldn't run so we were going to lose points but they wouldn't let me run because girls just cannot do cross country and the furthest we were allowed to run was 250 yards wow. I think it went up to um, 440 when you're uh, in year 11 crazy and I wasn't a sprinter I like the long distance I've always liked you know walking long distances so yeah okay. so I've always known I've sort of been an endurance and not a sprinter um and so that that was that was it really so I didn't mm -hmm. really do any other sport apart from the diving there were certain oh there were competitions we did a bit of that I did swim um did a fin swim race up the uh, the Seine in Paris once mm-hmm um played underwater hockey fantastic game uh yeah and we had a few uh competitions down in um plymouth that i organized underwater orienteering and fin swim com competitions mm. yeah yeah they play underwater hockey at our pool after, um and there was a girl that i coached once she ended up breaking it she i think she broke her back playing underwater hockey because somebody oh, really? when they have to, well when they have to do that changeover somebody jumped in too early and she was in the way and oh. they landed on her um, <gasps> That's yeah, awful. sort of a bit of a freak accident, but I guess uh, yeah. anyway. Um, I mean, she's she's back doing triathlon now, or she she was. Oh really? But, uh, oh but, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. But it but it yeah, definitely do. was definitely was debilitating for her for quite a while. You do get biffed around because I remember I was playing that when the kids were still at school, and in the summer it was terrible because my legs were always covered in bruises. 
<laughs> Did you ever play water polo or anything? No, I never played water polo. There was another. I was actually on the. Uh, I was secretary to the Games Commission, the um, of the World Federation, because we were introducing um, the games, and there was a game called um, underwater uh, rugby that was played. <laughs> you had a, right. a ball, a ball full of salt water, so it's slightly heavier. Um, yeah, crazy. I always, I always think that uh, water polo is the perfect training ground for triathletes. You know, particularly when it comes to the swim start. Oh, crumbs, yeah. i tell you, the worst swim start I've ever had, the roughest, was last, well, earlier this year in Montreal, and it was all the women over 65, or was it over 60? So it's mm-hmm. only women, and us oldies, and they were terrible, swimming over me, pulling me legs, pulling me arm. <laughs> <laughs> Worse than any fellas I've ever come across. Yeah, who'd, who'd have thought? Um, yeah. But then I, I, when, I, when I used to work in a pub, all the bouncers used to say, the worst... The worst of the women when they get drunk, you know, the blokes don't give us any trouble. It's 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 terrible. Oh, really? They all start fighting. Yeah, that's yeah. quite funny. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. picked the point where I had the best line, so I think everyone wanted the same line I was on. <laughs> they were all trying to stop you getting away, grabbing hold of your ankle. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. Okay, so um, so you're always into running and you like doing the endurance stuff. So when did triathlon make an entry into your life then? Well, um, my daughter was into swimming and she was doing biathlons. And I can remember going around the country with her and watching these people in the swimming pool and thinking, well, they can't swim. I can swim better than that. And anyone can run. But that's only a 200 meter swim in the pool and a 1K run, mm-hmm. which I found very difficult. Um, so I did a little bit of running, 1K, and that was it. And I'd watched the triathlons that have been happening around Weymouth. But um, to me, a, a three mile ride on the bike was a long way. So I thought about it and wanted to do them, but I couldn't find any triathlons that had bike rides less than 10 miles. (laughs) Then um, in our club, a couple decided to do Tembi, Ironman. Then our swim coach decided to buy her husband an Ironman for his 50th, and I thought they were absolutely mad doing it their age. Mm -hmm. Um, But then she started nagging me, saying, you're an endurance athlete. Have you thought about it? Mm-hmm. Um, so the seed was sown and eventually a friend of mine and I decided if we could get up Portland Hill on our bikes we'd do the local sprint triathlon so we did that and I must admit I loved it that mm-hmm. was it um, it was on my old Claude Butler bike which weighed a ton didn't quite have a basket on the front but it did have a carrier on the back um, and that was it and I can remember going up to my daughters and saying I've just done a sprint triathlon and I'm going to do an Ironman next year she thought was mad. What was it? I'm going to say, what was the response? She she thought I was mad. Her husband just tried to poo-poo it all together. Nicola gave me a bit of encouragement, although later she said she didn't really think I could do it. Um, but I did, so that's the main thing. So I did a sprint triathlon, then I did an Olympic, and then I did the half, um, and then I did the full. But I did the full, I did Bolton, uh, that was interesting because I came out of the water fairly about 400th, I think, and I reckon I had 2,000 bikes past me because <laughs> my cycling uh, yeah. really wasn't that good. It was a bit slow, but I got round and that's fine. I did the run and I qualified for Kona, which was great. But that was my 70th birthday present to me. But I was only 69 and I didn't realize I qualified for that year. And I thought, oh, well, I can't not take the place, so I'll go to Kona this year, but I really wanted it for my 70th. And I thought, well, how am I going to qualify? And um, 
Tembi was six weeks later. And I thought, well, I'm trained up. Let's have a go. So I went down to Wales and did that. And I made the cutoff on the bike by two minutes. And mm, the other people tough, my age tough, Yeah, it's a tough course though, Tembi, isn't it? Tough course. So, um, yeah, no one else had got. I knew the other people were behind me, so I got my place for Kona for when I was 70. And then and then so, you went to Kona a few weeks after that as well, right? Or didn't you? Yeah, then another six weeks after that. Oh wow. <laughs> so so in your first so in your first season doing Ironman, you did three you did three events within the space of like four months, really. Yeah. And would you believe, guess what my time was for my first ever Kona? It was 15 hours, 11 minutes. And guess what the time was for me swimming the channel the first time? Oh, really? 15, 11? Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, how, and how did that feel then? One, one discipline for 15 hours and 11 minutes versus changing twice. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was, I, it was lovely. And I came third that year. So um, I decided, well, I was, I was going to go the next year. And I went the next year and I came second. Um, got very friendly with a woman who won. She decided she was going to come back and she was going to improve her swimming. And she was amazing cycling. Um, she really made up her time on the bike. So I said I was going to go back and uh, beat her on the bike next year. Okay. And who, who was that? Who was that that you're talking about? Uh, Natalie uh, Gabo. Grabo. Okay. She was there this year. Um, and it's funny because the first year I did it, there was... Um, Got a name. Who won? Cherry. It? Cherry. Cherry yeah, Cherry yeah. won it, and I can remember because she did a fantastic time. She did fourteen oh four or something, and everyone was so relieved when she retired because they thought, "Oh, they're going to have to beat her." Mm-hmm. Um, she retired, and this year I was just so pleased. I mean, I I blew it basically, but Sherry won it, which I was really pleased about, and Natalie came second, which was nice. Um, I didn't finish. But they really struggled, both of them. They both did it in about 16 and a half, I think. Yeah, well, we'll come, we'll come back to that in a moment, the Kona thing. And because um, but I want to I, I read on your website that um you, you were you're a breast cancer survivor, is that right? And that was one of the yeah. things that um sort of was a catalyst for you doing triathlon as well to get into them. Was was a yeah, fundraising that, thing. Was, did I the, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, basically, I remember um, when the fella said, oh, I think that is cancerous, um, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, within a millisecond, because I swam the channel once, and I always said I was going to do it again when I was 65, because once you do a big challenge, um, it's a big downer, you've got to have another goal. So I said, Mm -hmm. I'll do it again when I'm 65. But uh, 65 sort of came and went, because my heart wasn't in it at all. I had no inclination of doing it. But when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, honestly, within a millisecond, there was two things happened. One was I decided I was going to swim the channel again. And the other was I was going to buy the motorbike. I've been looking at the new one that I couldn't justify buying, but I thought, oh, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I decided I was going to swim the channel again. So that was on the cards. That was fine. And I'd already booked a boat. So I kept just saying next year, next year, next year, as each year came about. But through breast cancer, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. Was that, so, as, a result of, was that as a result of the chemotherapy then? No, 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 nothing. It's just something it's inherited. Um, okay, just so natural. just, just um, it was unconnected, but just yeah, diagnosed you, you at can, the same time. Some of the medication does um, affect that mm. as well. So I was on, um, they gave me 
special medication to combat that, some horrible, and allandronic acid, which is, oh, ghastly stuff. Um, but they said, I need an impact sport. Um, I need to do some walking or something. I said, well, I do running. They said, oh, you might fall over, but never mind. Uh, so I was going to take up walking. So I took up running. That's right. And I think that's why my coach said you ought to do a triathlon because I'd just taken up running and I was swimming. All I had to do was put the bike in. So I thought, oh, I'll have a go at these triathlons. Um, swimming, no problem. Um, bike's going to be horrendous. Anyone can run. Oh, my goodness. I think it was that first Olympic. I realised not anyone can run. I really couldn't run at all. It was That's been the hardest for me to get uh-huh. to grips with. That's, it took that's me... Yeah, that's not the first time I've heard people say that. It's like, I, as long as I can do the swimming, that, but that seems to be the challenge for most people is if I can get yeah, the yeah, swim, I was like, yeah, then, then I can bike and, and anyone can run. <laughs> yeah, no, I I couldn't believe how hard it was. I was just making a pig's ear of it. I I did a chi running course. I found I just Googled everything to see and I went up to London for a chi running course and that changed my life. Um, but it still took me two or three years before I actually started feeling I could run and started enjoying it. And now I'm doing ultras, <laughs> believe it or not. Let's let's come back to that um, that running thing and feeling comfortable with running. Um, and go back to breast cancer if we can. Did you catch it in the early stages? Um, yeah. Did it require some sort of quite nasty... No, no, I didn't, I didn't have to treatment. have chemo. I just had um, certain drugs and... Um, uh, radiotherapy um and i had by um lumpectomies rather than full mastectomies okay yeah um but i guess i mean i've met quite a few um cancer survivors and they all seem to be very stoic resilient personalities and they seem to have had that sort of attitude to life before they were diagnosed but that just hardened it would you say that you were the same or was that a sort of crashing blow to you to find out actually i'm not perfect here and there's something quite nasty happening to me no it's I mean I've always been you know the the cup's always half full for me it's never half empty so I've always been a a fairly optimistic person but I think I was just slowly getting a bit more sedentary and nothing really happening so to me it was a big wake-up call really I've got breast cancer to thank me to thank for getting into triathlons because I'm not sure I would ever have gone down this route without it it was yeah yeah and that, again that's that's something i've also heard with other people is that um, it was a catalyst for them to actually wake up and think Do you know what um i'd assumed that life would just carry on and now realize that um you know life's too short and you've got to do things while you've got the opportunity and like you, exactly. like you were talking about about your motorbike is like well before i thought i had an excuse not to but now i realize actually there's no excuse not to do it yeah that's right yeah, you just got to get on and do things. Yeah, as I said, I was very lucky because a friend of mine, um, she had breast cancer shortly after me and she was talking about, you know, self-help groups and things. And I thought, I don't need that. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, it's just a different, I've just always had this positive idea. And I can remember my daughter telling me off and not telling me what my result was when I went for my first checkup because I, I just assumed it was going to be, you know, positive result. Yes. Yeah. So the triathlons then, I mean, um, you you must be one of the oldest competitors racing in Kona now. I think Sherry was the oldest female ever to finish the Ironman in Kona, wasn't she, this year? Yeah, she was. She was 78. Um, I think the oldest is uh, Madonna Buddha. 
Um, I'm not sure what age she was. She's she's on the record. I think she she did it. Yeah, she's the oldest, and but I'm not sure that I'm not sure if she's eighty or not. I did look it up, and I can't remember what age group she's in. Yeah, but it's interesting because when we start, when I started, I was in. Um, yeah, I was 69. Then I went up to the um, 70 to 74. And there were half a dozen of us, eight at the most, I think. Mm-hmm. But you look at the 70 to 74 age group now, there's coming up for 20 odd people. Yeah. And the person who was six, uh, 75 and over didn't actually finish in time. There was only one. Mm. And this year, there were five of us. Um, so it's interesting that because uh, everyone says, oh, once I get to your age, it'd be easy to qualify. And I said, no, it won't. <laughs> there'd be such a wide field yeah yeah I, I I've told this story before but when I did my legacy spot in in 2017 you know I remember I always used to think that same thing and I've heard lots of people say well you know if I just if I just keep going until I'm 75 I'll be the last man yeah standing. yeah in in um in that same year you might you might know this gentleman actually he's a good friend of mine now uh oh he's been for some years so in 2017 um Simon Butterworth was the winner of the 70 to 74 category and he passed me about, I don't know, halfway going out, halfway out towards um, the energy lab on the run. Oh, and really? So, and, and he won his age group. And so there I was thinking, well, I can't even beat the guy who wins the 70 to 74 age group category now at 53. So in another 20 years time, I've got absolutely no chance. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing um, the time. I mean, I was gobsmacked at the times the fellas are doing, but um, times are coming down now. I mean, it was when, you know, the older people, we were, you know, 15, 16 hours was normal, but um, Sherry did it in 14. Um, I was determined to beat her time. No, I, yeah. I just wanted to get under 14. That's right. And I actually did it in 13, 40, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's um, Missy Lagrange, who's just moved up to the age group below me. She's doing some fantastic times as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. Yeah, and, um, uh, Donna K. Ness as well. It's, oh, no, Donna Smyers. Donna Smyers, Karen's sister, um, was quite high up in her age group in the 60 to 64, I think, wasn't she? Yeah. This year? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, the times are it's- coming down. And like you say, the men's and the women's, that you know, the number of athletes that are competing further on into that age category is just just awesome really to see them and I love seeing them I love seeing them abound you know the day after an Ironman most people limping around but it always seems like the the older girls and and, and guys they just bound up on the stage full of enthusiasm they're lying there yeah the first few I did people were definitely had those um you know doms but I think because of all the information available um, you know, coaches, internet, um, people are training properly. And that that's why I think, um, especially my age, oh, I, I advocate people to just keep active, you know, whatever they're doing. I was just thinking about it the other day, you know, bringing the shopping in and, you know, husband, oh, I'll carry that, it's heavy. Or could you take the hoover upstairs for me? No, do it yourself, you know, because weight training for my age group, women, especially for bone density, mm. is the best thing. Um, so I, I advocate everyone of my age should be keep active and do weight training. Well, we'll come back to that in a sec. Let's let's just talk about um, uh, the oldest athletes in Kona. Is that something that's on your radar then to be to be the oldest female finisher in Kona or to be the oldest ever? <laughs> this, this was going to be it, but I always say that, don't I? Who knows? Um, yeah, that was going to be it, but I. Um, I got everything wrong this year. I think I was ill, actually, and 
I also, I, I, I'm sure I was dehydrated as well. So I found the bike ride incredibly difficult. I did finish it, but really slowly. And then I cramped up so much on the run. I just gave, called it miss. And I thought, oh no, that's it. Been there, done that. And then I think the next day or two days later, I've signed up for Wales again. <laughs> so, mm. so that'd be, I'd be 78, but I won't be as old as Sherry. Sherry was still be older than me. So who knows? Perhaps I'll do it again when I'm 80. Who knows? It, it did seem to me this year that it was a lot hotter and, and more humid in Kona than it has been in previous years. And I think the wind was less, wasn't it? So, you know, I know people always talk about the wind, but it always seems that if you get less of one, you get more of another. So this, it's, yeah. it's never an it, easy it, it day. Wasn't, you know, it wasn't the conditions because as soon as I set out on the bike, it wasn't right. And then on reflection, on the swim, I found someone to um, draft behind and normally, and I was going quite comfortably and normally I'd see someone going a bit faster past me and I'll hop onto their feet. But I was just quite happy to puddle along and it was probably my slowest swim. So I wasn't, I don't think I was quite right in the swim. I thought I was. And then when I got on the bike, um, I, I knew right at the word go. By the time I got onto Queen K Highway, I knew I was struggling. I could have given up then. Things. I mean, I got off the bike and I checked my rear wheel to see if the brakes were sticking because mm. it felt like that. It was. Uh, it just wasn't happening. I don't know why. Uh, let's talk about your channel swimming because at one point you were the oldest female to swim the channel. Is that still the case? Still am. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That, that. It basically, I was. Um, that was interesting because I decided I would do it when I was 60. That was my 60th birthday present. And there was a woman who was supposed to be 61. And it turns out I was 60 in 10 months and she was only 60 in nine months. That was Sue Oldham from Australia. Uh, she came along and did it again. And then um, an American's come along and done it, Pat Garrant, something or other. And she's still swimming. She might well do it again. Who knows? Um, so when I did it the second time, I became the oldest woman again. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah. Yeah. And that was, I, I was, that- I was vaguely thinking of doing it again. Um, and become the oldest person to do it rather than the oldest woman. Um, and that would have been this year, but I did a relay last year uh, and I thought, I don't want to, it's the training hours and hours in the water. Mm-hmm. That was a void to Weymouth Bay. Weymouth Bay is absolutely fabulous, but uh, six or ten hours. Life's too yeah. short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got other things to do. Interesting that with all of those endurance records and things you wanted to do, you're saying life's too short now to try it again. But like I say, there's, there's so much stuff out there. I mean, I, I know you've taken up ultra running um, recently as well, haven't you? Yeah, that's more my passion. I, you know, I really enjoy that. And um, I've got a couple booked. Um, this year's a bit, bit quiet, but it will be my running year. I did, um, there's a, we've got a fabulous cafe, um, Sanskrit Cafe, an open air cafe. And the, the owners of it are just amazing. They inspire everyone. They've done every challenge going to man and inspire everyone else to do it and collect a, a really an eclectic group of people together. And they invented a Cafe 50, which is a 50-mile round trip from the cafe. So you just um, have to wave to the camera on the way out and wave to the camera on the way back, and then you get a free coffee eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Those are simple rules to follow, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I always had that on my radar, you know, and then COVID came along, and I thought, all right, might as well do it, because I was out running over the fields and things. So I did that, 
And then there was another one, this the one which they'd done, um, which I was in awe of. And then um, a friend of mine, a girl, she did it. And I was, oh, totally in awe of her. She's in the 30s and I couldn't believe it, which is 80 miles along the Jurassic Coast, 24-hour run. Um, and then with COVID, I thought, oh, I've done 50 miles. I've done over 12 hours. There's no point in doing the half. I'll sign up for the full. And I put out a feeler to my friend saying, anyone crew for me? And they said, oh, yeah, go for it, go for it. I was convinced there was no way I could do it. They were all convinced I could do it. And lo and behold, um, I think it was 50, 23 hours, 50 minutes or something. Um, and I finished it. I can't believe it. I was gobsmacked. Absolutely gobsmacked. So, so you're 76 now, Linda, and it seems like every time you complete an event, two more get added to the bottom. So rather than your to-do list getting shorter, it's getting longer. Um, <laughs> do, do, you, do you ever actually stop to consider your age or do you just sort of think, right, I'm not bothered about that. I'm just going to get on and do these things until I can't do them anymore? Every now and then, I do think... Well, I'm 76, and you know, I was thinking what my parents were doing at that age, and I. But then I just dismiss it because I still feel like a 16 year old, as everyone does. Um, I think you just, yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it. I mean, I, I as I said, I'm lucky. A that I've got a positive, um, you know, thought on life. I'm active. I've got a body that stands up to all the training. I keep wondering when it's going to give up on me. I did wonder in Kona whether I'd begun to push it too hard, but I, I definitely think I was probably a bit ill then. So we shall see, yeah. Do you, do you think that is luck, though, or do you think you've you've created those opportunities for yourself by living a life that enables you to do that, by the, you know, the fact that you've stayed active, that the fact that you um, carry things and lift things and sort of um, refuse to let other people do it for you, so you've continued to just have a... Um, maintain a resilient body have allowed you to oh. do these things and I and I do I, you know when I look at you know when I was uh, working as a personal trainer and now as a coach and I I look at how a lot of people live their lives as they get older they stop doing those things and then their body stops allowing them to do other stuff and so it's almost a self-fulfilling situation whereas you going the other way you haven't stopped doing those things you've continued to do them and now your body allows you to continue doing the things that you're passionate about yeah, I mean, I started when I decided to sign up for the first Ironman. I got the old Dom Fink book, um, which is brilliant, and um, Zone Two work just to build up that base. And I did that probably for two years because, quite honestly, my legs wouldn't work go fast enough either running or bike to get up to a Zone Four. So <laughs> um, I had an awful lot of base work. Um, I research everything a lot. Um, and, you know, training smart, um, yeah. you know, following all the rules, as it were, not doing anything silly, um, listening to your body, rest and recovery, and building up gradually to where I am now. Um, yeah, I, I work hard. I work hard at it. Um, mm. And I reckon I'm fitter and stronger than I have been, and I'm still, I'm still getting faster running, which is crazy. I'm just wondering when I, I should be slowing down. I mean, lots of people with um, running, obviously, they've been running all their life and they're slowing down, but I'm I'm sort of going up. I'm slower on my swimming now. I've lost some speed on that. After breast cancer, I just haven't been able to get my speed back because I used to do the long-distance events. 
I did the 1500. I think I got the British and the European record once and um, maybe the 800. I can't remember. But uh, that's gone. Do you, in your training plan then, is it is it part of your goal to try and um, get faster each year? Or do, or do you do you take the approach that actually if I can if I can have the same level of fitness as I did last year, that's the same as getting faster when you're younger? No, no, I, I'm growing every year because it's certainly when I came second and I wanted to beat Natalie the following year. My friends were great. We used to think called the Costa Run uh, ride, which was um, six in the morning right the way through the winter, meet down in Weymouth, cycle up to the local Costa uh, coffee shop. And there's a few hills involved. And my friend used to be nagging me, you're going to beat that woman. <laughs> Push yourself up the hills. So, you know, that I can remember that year was definitely getting strength on the bike. So that was my concentration. Mm-hmm. And then um, last year it became, well, just before COVID, it, it was going to be running uh, my main concentration. And that was, that's what I'll be working on for this year, I think. So I'm interested in this transformation that you had then where you said, you you know, you found running extremely difficult and challenging. And um, that was the case for a number of years. And then you took up chi running. So what was the what was the change um, that you got um, from chi running? Now, was it a mindset thing or was it a, a physiological thing? No. Well, first of all, the distance, getting your head around that. And it was Sam from the Sadswick Cafe because that second Kona, I went with totally the wrong mindset. I remember listening to Mark Allen after that and he was talking about that because I went the second time to win and I was racing and I was looking to see where the others were and everything. Totally wrong. And on the run, it was horrendous. I was in a big, big black hole. It seemed forever. I can remember I got onto Queen K Highway and you've got to run up to the uh, energy lab. What is it? Three Mm. miles? Mm -hmm. I was asking every athlete as they came down, where's the turning? Where's the turning? It seemed forever. Um, so I knew I was in the wrong mindset for that. And then Sam suggested I did a, a standalone um, marathon. So there was a local one at, in Dorchester. And I got my head round distance by doing that. And I can remember saying to my son, oh, could you drop me off at Appuddle? And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going to run to Dorchester. He said, how fast that? I said, about 13 miles. And he thought I was mad. Um, but after that, distance was fine I was still plodding um at a reasonable pace I was quite happy with that and then our local running club does interview training on a Thursday night and I can remember the first time I actually sprinted you know between lampposts as it were and I thought wow this feels good um and it grew from there so um so explain explain what she running's about then I've heard a little, I've heard a little um, bit about it but yeah, basically, it's to do with Tai Chi, where you just balance your body. So basically, um, you've got three dentien, which is your, your middle of your belly, you know, in the middle of your body, middle of your chest and your head. So they're stacked on top of each other, a bit like stones when they're balancing. Uh-huh. So you're not using any muscles or anything to hold any of your body in place. Uh-huh. So it's just all balanced. And then if you just tilt the whole body forward without actually bending, so you're not trying to hold your head up or hold your back up, um, guess what? Your leg falls forward. Yeah, that's um, what you're saying is really interesting. I don't know if you've heard of Shane Benzi. Um, Shane's written a book called The Lost Art of Running, but he talks about, you know, people say he's a running coach and he says, no, I'm actually not. I'm a movement coach. 
And yeah. he he talk he talks about the fascia a lot and how the fascia is all over the elastic bands. And he uses this yeah. sort of thing called the tensegrity model that shows you've got sticks and you've got pieces of elastic. And when the pieces of elastic are all perfectly tense, it maintains this structure, yeah. but then you can stretch it but out of shape. But that means that certain bands go loose and other bands go yeah, too yeah. tight. And then if you let it go, it all goes back. And that's how the skeleton should be supported. And when it yeah. is supported, everything is stacked one on top of the other, like you just described. Yeah. And he talks about if you run looking down, so when your head's down, oh, crumbs what happens? Your, your tension in yeah. the front of your body is too loose and the tension in the top half of your back is too tight. And exactly. so that, that gets your balance. Uh, he talks about keeping your hips high. Um, and it's it's a really interesting concept, but it seems like it's very similar to what you've just described with achievement. Yeah, there. there's lots of people. I mean, Born to Run is a, a fabulous book, and that's um, basically the yeah. same thing as well. So whatever you call it. Um, yeah, so I did that. I did a couple of courses, and then during COVID, I did the instructor course as well. I thought, and that that brought me on a lot, because obviously when you learn to teach, you learn a lot more about yourself as well. So it, it's mm-hmm. a good learning for me. So. Um, I was interested to hear you talking about strength and conditioning for older females. Is that um, at, at what point did that become something in your life, or have you always been involved? In, in no, no, that's fairly re- that's relatively new. Um, let's think. I was doing TRX and some weight training, some circuits, as it were, before COVID. Yeah. Um, so I had already started that. I think I started, um, yoga. Yoga was brilliant. Um, highly recommended. I think that was recommended on a swim, swimming course. I went on a weekend Uh course and so I started doing yoga and that made a big, big difference to, you know, my posture and just general everyday living, which I found good. And then, as I said, this crowd for instance, but they were all going to TRX and, um, circuit training. So I went and did that. Uh, and then, yeah, I suppose that's, that started it all. And I was going to the, um, we had got a local gym, but I've got weights at home I was doing. And then during COVID, I collected even more weights and I've been slowly increasing it. And I don't know if you noticed, but I think it was a few months ago, suddenly it was on national news saying people should be taking up weight training. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been a strength coach, um, you know, most of my adult life in one form and another. And um, one of the first articles I wrote for 220 magazine was in 1995, so almost 30 years ago. And that was about that was about why triathletes should do some do strength training. And Chris yeah. Jones, I don't know if you ever remember Chris Jones. Um, no. He was the he was the first uh performance director for great britain at the at the sydney triathlon and chris rang me up and said simon i'm really interested in this i'd love to chat to you about it nobody talks about this in triathlon and i've been i've been a strong advocate for that you know ever since i started doing triathlon which which oh really that's back a long way it it is and so and since i started coaching you know back in 1995 and and you know, it's it's taken a long time. I, the resistance I used to meet when I did the British Triathlon Strength and Conditioning courses from people saying, "Well, you know, I'd love to, but I need to swim, bike, and run. I just haven't got enough time." And like, well, maybe just yeah, stop. Take ten percent off your swim, bike, and run training, and do more do do more strength training. And the bonus, the benefits will 
be exponential, yeah. but yeah. it's a, it's a but, really hard sell and it's a much harder sell to females, isn't it? Yeah, it is interesting, although it is, um, it is coming through now because I've been, I just started coaching and I've had some local women um, or 50 plus um, and they're all into either yoga, Pilates and strength mm. training. So, mm. it's, you know, and I've been pushing it and I've, I think some of them are already there, but they're, they're taking it up. So it's great. Yeah. I think we've had to get over this idea that if you lift weights, you're going to gain muscle and put on weight and it'll make you slower. And uh, that's absolutely not the case, is it? Oh, it's rubbish. Yes, yes. But yeah, you go to the gym and you see these guys all going, oh, just the way they're using it. And they're just building muscles. And I, I can remember actually some some really muscly fellas coming to swimming and they had all these, you know, big shoulders and everything else. <laughs> and I was swimming alongside thinking, I'm beating them, you know. Yeah. They, they had these muscles, but they didn't know what to do with them, or they didn't yeah, have yeah. any strength. Yeah. Mm. So let's talk about your coaching now then, because um, given what you've said about being a maths teacher, being a motorcycle instructor, being a scuba diving instructor, um, you know, you, you've got such a, uh, a lot of credibility and um, you know, just, just an accomplished CV that it feels like sharing sharing your experience and being inspiration to other people is a natural extension of everything else you've done. Is, is that how it, it, is that is that is that is that just how it's all evolved for you in the last few years? Yeah, it's. I mean, amongst all the people locally, I I can remember out on a bike ride, and I was with someone, and I was I was just talking about something. I think they were doing something, and I said, "Well, I can't really sound an expert. I'm just a novice." And they turned around and said, "No, you're not," because they knew I, you know, and in their eyes. I was this world champion who'd been to Kona and I thought, ah, oh, yes. So after that, I didn't feel apologetic because I, I can't help myself <laughs> if I see someone um, mm. doing something that they could do better. I said, do, do you mind if I say it? And if they, if they object, that's fine. If they don't want to do it, that's fine. Um, but I just found myself naturally doing it. So it, it, was, it, was a, it just seemed a good idea to do because I'd run the course on the um, motorcycling side I'd introduced motorcycling to, oh, women. Yeah, I changed a few things there as well for women, which was good because we always used to do track days. Uh, the IM do track days, so skills days. And then um, because I ran some, oh, within the advanced motorcycling world, it's, you know, so much testosterone flying around that women get put off. Just You just have to say something and, you know, they say it the wrong way. So I ran a couple of... Um, skills days just for women for a feminine and I think we had about 50 women bikers all together which was fantastic and the IM picked it up and they started doing all women skills days on the track um I'm not sure they do that anymore but certainly within the groups that go on the track they always have an all women's one that people can opt for and run by a woman instructor as well which is good sorry I digress <laughs> yeah I've interested interesting going back to that though um did you find that when you started doing triathlon that your understanding of riding a motorbike and cornering and how to position yourself um, was an advantage for you um, as a cyclist? Oh, my goodness. When I think of how I used to ride a bike, you know, on the pavement, I was terrified of everything. Um, it does get me into trouble sometimes because I look at the traffic and I zoom into a roundabout and I think, whoops, I've got the acceleration to get out. <laughs> mm -hmm. But apart from yeah. that, no, road skill, traffic skill, observational skills, you know, reading the traffic, reading other people, excellent. I mean, and now when I do my 
um, coaching, I always take people out on the bike to see what they're like, how mm-hmm. where they are, if they're positioning themselves. Because you often see these accidents and someone's had this horrendous accident and it's not their fault. However, they put them in, themselves into a position where it happened, whereas mm-hmm. they could have been in a different position to avoid it happening. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you about that. It's, it's, I, I used to be a bicycle courier a long time ago, and one of the things I learned then um, to stay alive in the city was you actually, it has to seem like be, you're being quite aggressive by placing yourself out into the road so people notice oh, you crumbs, have, to, yeah. have, have to go around you rather than what people might call defensive riding where you're yeah. riding in the gutter because if you're riding in the gutter people will force you into the gutter and then you've left yeah. you've got no op- you've got no options but that's exactly how they teach you to ride a motorbike isn't it is be seen be yeah. safe put put yourself in a position where people notice you um and think that everybody's an idiot well exactly everyone everyone else on the road is an idiot out to kill you there yeah i must admit i'm quite impressed with um, british uh, cycling because i can remember the old cycling rules used to be you know you you rode on the edge and everything else but i looking at their commuter um videos they are very much um you know dominate the road put yourself in the right position be aware of this and that and i'm quite impressed with um the training mm. that goes on now mm. um for cyclists yeah um, yeah, tell also- me, tell me, tell me about your coaching. Then, who um, do you limit yourself to? Specific groups of people. You've mentioned older ladies quite a bit there. So, is that the group? Um, that you I don't, I don't advertise or publicise or do anything. Um, and I had five last year: one remote fella, four women, um, and I also was invited by um, a local club. That was just a running day. I did so. Yes, it just. Uh, Anyone who wants to do it, really. Okay. And what, what particular philosophies and values do you have as part of your coaching? Uh, my whole philosophy is, first of all, to find out what they're doing at the moment. So to work from there, what their aspirations are, and work from there um, rather than inflict anything on them, as it were. So I take what they're training currently and just slowly up it, um, sow a few seeds of what they might do. Um, and take it from there and slowly bring them along, which is great. So some of the ones I taught last year are staying with me. So we've we've upped the game, as it were, this year, mm-hmm. um, just to move them further forwards. It feels like, from what you've said earlier uh, and just then, that it's very much an educational process in helping people to learn, really, as much as it is about providing them with – I'm sure you do that as well, about providing them with a training plan, but it's very much an educational yeah, yeah, yeah. process. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I, I like to think that I'm, because there's a couple, um, one who's got into Finland next year and she's not with me, but I've given her all the um, information. She knows what she should be doing and how mm-hmm. the training goes, you know, and the sort of um, things she should be doing. So I like to think that I'm giving them the tools and the knowledge to train safely and how to get that strength and uh, speed safely yeah mm. without injury that's the main thing yeah yeah well and that I, I guess that that's another thing that I was going to ask you about as you get older um how do you balance this thing about trying to push on and improve your fitness versus maintaining your health and not getting injured because it, you know I've experienced myself and certainly with other athletes that as you get older 
if you get injured, you lose your fitness quicker and it takes you longer to get it back. So the the ideal thing is not to get injured or ill in the first place, isn't it? Exactly. So, so you're having to walk a fine line there. But when you're as ambitious as you are with your with your racing and your your targets, um, you know, that must make that line even tighter for you to walk. It, it's it's interesting because my daughter, um, she was um she went to Sandhurst, she was the army, so she knows um, you know, what they're like there. They they literally train to breaking point basically and she was sure that I was going to break myself and I can remember going out she's very athletic as well and we'd go out running and we'd come to a hill and I'd go slowly up it because I'm and she said oh no you never get any strength unless you push hard and her husband was very much like that as well on the bike you know you've got how many hills and I I couldn't it wasn't so much that I chose not to I probably just couldn't and she now admits that probably that first two years Uh you're just doing that base training um, was the best thing you could possibly do and it just takes time, you know, mitochondrial to grow bigger. I remember um, one of our local fellows who he did code the same year as me and he interviewed a pro. And I can remember him talking to this pro saying, well, why did it take you so long before you went pro? And he said, it takes time. Uh-huh. And I was very fortunate to um, win a prize to ride with the Brownlee brothers. Uh-huh. We were an hour in the pub before we went out because they were waiting for breakfast. Um, and this was when he was just had Iron Man on the horizon. I was uh-huh. talking to him about that, and the same with him. He said it takes time to get up to that endurance level. Yeah, I remember. Um, I, I uh, Jack and I worked with Alistair and Johnny when they first started in the um, Talent ID program back when Alistair was fourteen, and Johnny used to tag along as a thirteen-year-old. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, after Alistair won in London his first Olympic gold um, a lot of people would say oh he's quite young isn't he where have you come from and Alistair would say you know I've been I've been doing this for 10 or 12 years and he had been going to school yeah, and back, yeah. riding to school and he says it's taken me 12 years to become an overnight success yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, um, yeah and those did. were you know those were the foundations then because Alistair used to um, my gym was where near where Alistair and, his, and Johnny used to live and they used to they and I used to cycle along the towpath to work, and they used to go the other way to school. Yeah, and so I'd see them, and so they'd be they'd be just riding ten miles, running, riding back ten miles, swimming every during, day. The, during the evening, yeah. sometimes running back. You know, every day in those formative years, and that was Malcolm's influence on them was was the whole um, zone two, just nice and easy, build it up yeah. slowly. Yeah. So yeah, them, that, that was interesting while they were here. They were sort of, um, they were with uh, another guy who's um, also got a gold medal in shooting. Um, they were his guests and they were they were doing a, a charity event. And as I said, there were, I think there were four or five of us went out riding with him, with them. And I thought, oh my goodness, because I knew where we were. There was one hill we were going to go up. And I thought if that happened, they lost me. And they went up another hill that I managed to stay with them for a while. And then eventually we went up a hill. Um, they were just doing their zone two pootling along I was busting my guts just keeping with them and eventually we got to a hill that I just couldn't catch up with them and I stopped at the top of the hill they'd stopped at the top of the hill and I thought oh they waited for me no Johnny needed a pee (laughs) (laughs) funny yeah Yeah. so eventually everyone dropped off um but they were just doing their four-hour bike ride they'd already done their hour or two in the pool and then they were going to do um the run later Mm -hmm. yeah that was just 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 a normal, just a, over. just a normal seven-hour day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
as we're talking, I think this podcast will come out just just as just after you've raced. But you, it's it's um, Abu Dhabi next for you then. I think yeah, I'm looking forward to that. distance. Yeah. What's what's your big what's your big thing for 2023? Um, I've got a. Arc 50, which is a 50-mile um, ultra around Land's End on the 28th of January. Then in June, I've got, oh, there's London Marathon. I always said I was going to do that in sub four hours. i tell you what, I'm absolutely gobsmacked. I couldn't believe it because I did a park run. Was that before COVID? Or, oh, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, um, there was another run than myself looking at the, you know, park run, you get a percentage. Oh, yeah, age-graded stuff. Age-graded. So I was trying to get up to 90. Uh, and this other fellow was in his eight, on the 80s as well. And he said, oh, we're in competition. And, of course, I did another one. And I'd gone up a birthday. And all of a sudden, I shot over 90. And I thought, oh, <laughs> you're never going to catch me up. And all of a sudden, I looked at the results in um, Run um, Britain, the rankings. And from when I used to be way down, I'm suddenly near the top. I can't believe, and I was absolutely gobsmacked. I really was. Um, so, yeah, there is a Japanese woman who does it in a crazy, she does it in about 3.35 or something, but she's an ex-Olympic runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get that done in under four hours if I can. But that was that was before COVID I was going to do it in under four hours. So a couple of years have gone by. Then in June, I'm doing um, another ultra, another 50 mile in the Brecon Beacon, Beacon. So that's... I'm not expecting to finish that one either because the altitude, we shall see. Um, and then Tenby. Mm. And so Tenby means the next target for Kona is 2024 then, right? Because it's a qualifier yeah. the year after. Yeah, yeah be for the following year. Yeah, I always said I want to do Tenby again. Do it properly. If wow. I can. You don't, you don't <laughs> do things by halves, do you, Linda? You always choose the tough ones. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was my friends. They all booked in, and I said oh, I booked in, and then I thought, oh my goodness, um, they're much younger than me. But they, I just run along. I mean, we all age and sex got nothing to do with it. I mean, that's that's what triathlon is so amazing because it doesn't matter on age, um, physical um, mm. ability. Um, it's just a sport for everyone. If you just go to a running club or just a cycling club or just a swimming club, you know, you, you feel a bit intimidated. Um, but with triathlon, it's so encompassing. I, I find it amazing because I can remember that first sprint triathlon I did. And I arrived with my Claude Butler, a pair of trainers. Um, I didn't even have a race belt, so I found a bit of string. And there were these guys with pointy helmets and disc wheels mm. helping me, telling me what to do mm. and how to do it. Do you, you talked about all your friends that are doing Wales, they're much younger than you. Do, do you think that helps with just this whole thing about battling the ageing processes? When you hang out with younger people, you have a much younger outlook on life, don't you? And oh, their, totally. in, their, their enthusiasm sort of carries you along as well. And again, you, you know, back to what you just said, you, you forget about how old you are and you just carry on doing it. Yeah, and they're an inspiration to me because I'm doing things that I never thought I would do. Um because people, when they say I'm inspiring them, but I do realise now that, you know, they think, well, if she can do it, perhaps I can. So it's nice to think that I have um, got people into the sport who wouldn't otherwise have done it. Well, I, you know, you talk about the Brownleys or Georgia Taylor Brown or any of those elite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, 
we can all be inspired by them, but we're never going to be as good as them. I don't no. know. At least I don't, most of us aren't going to be able no, to no. reach the heights that they have. But, Linda, and please take this as a big compliment to yourself. Um, you inspire us all with your enthusiasm and your accomplishments, and we can all aspire to keep going with the same enthusiasm and intention for as long as possible. And I think that gives us some, that gives us all the younger people uh, something to grasp at. That look, if, if Linda can do it, she's positive, she's got a great outlook. Then there's no reason why I can't continue to do exactly. that. And I think, and 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 I do, you know, you you should take it. You should take an awful lot of credit for that and for for inspiring people. So, on behalf of all of those people, I'd like to say thank you. Oh, thank you. I must admit, I, I've come to accept it now because so many people have said it, but I do find it weird. <laughs> but if I well, can get some people to get active that wouldn't otherwise have been active, I'd be pleased. And they, what I really want to do is a local community, just get the women out and doing things. Well, we should we should send this podcast around to them, and maybe you'll get a collection of ladies that you can inspire to just do something more than they think they're capable of. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if every triathlete that here's a challenge for listeners, if every triathlete that's listening just inspires one person to try to do something they don't think is they're capable of, that would make the world a better place, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. All right. Let's check. Let's check back in a year and see you've taken us up on our challenge. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, look, Linda, it's been fabulous to catch up with you. Thank you very much for sharing your life and your experiences. I do hope that um, it's inspired more than one or two listeners, and I do look forward to seeing you out there um, at some point in the future. Maybe I'll get the. Maybe I'll have the uh, opportunity to call you across the line at an outlaw event one day. Oh, that's interesting. It's funny because outlaw doesn't appeal to me at all because it's flat. <laughs> oh, well, you should. Um, and I yeah, like my well, roads as well. Yeah, we're not doing Bowwood next year. You'd have liked the Bowwood course. That's um, that's a bit more is, lumpy. Is that a bit lumpy? Yeah, I did um, Saab de Long and I thought, oh, this is great. Um, but that was just undulating and you and the same, actually, Utah, I thought was, mind you, it was just so cold that you just couldn't get your legs working. That was hard work because um, it's long drags up these. Uh, I thought it'd be a lovely course. Perhaps if I'd been a bit more on top of the form and not so cold, I might have enjoyed it more. Yeah, well, you're altitude as well in St. George, aren't you? So, uh, yeah, that's and always, altitude. That's, 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 that's always going to put you under the cost from the gun. Well, it was less than 10 degrees and we were all dressed as though it was going to be 30. So, mm -hmm. Well, Linda, once again, thank you so much for being on the call. I really appreciate your time. and uh, have, right. a great, uh, have a great event in uh, Abu Dhabi. Best mechanical look, as they say. Yeah, thank you very much. OK, take care. Bye-bye now. And you, bye. Thank you to Linda for being a guest on this week's High Performance Human podcast. As usual, you can find links to all of today's discussion topics in the show notes below to make sure that you don't miss any episode in the future please go to itunes search for high performance human triathlon podcast and click the subscribe button please don't forget to check out links for joining our swap community that's all for now i hope you have a great week and i will definitely see you on the next episode